Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome to the Theater Podcast, intimate personal conversations with the industry's biggest names. I'm your host, Alan Seals, and your guest is Sierra Renee. I am so impressed with her. This is such an amazing conversation that I hope you enjoy as much as I did. Little known fact, she was in the workshop of Hamilton before it went to the public off-Broadway. Did you know that? I didn't know that. We talked about that a little bit. She actually took a break from theater after doing a couple things, and she was Hawk Girl in the DC Comics Flash universe, of course. And then she came back to Broadway. As we know her, Queen Elsa on Frozen. She was in that role for less than a month before COVID shut it down, and then the show closed. So that's an unfortunate turn of events that, of course, we discuss. But she made her Broadway debut in Big Fish. She was leading player in Pippin. Of course, uh, left. I'll let her tell the rest of the story, but as always, before we get into this, find me online on Instagram and Twitter at theater underscore podcast on Facebook at slash official theater podcast. Show your support at ttp.fm slash Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Everybody, please enjoy this episode with Sierra Renee. My guest today made her Broadway debut in 2013 as The Witch in Big Fish before stepping into Pippin as the leading player. She's played as Merelda in The Hunchback of Notre Dame at Paper Mill Playhouse and La Jolla. She can be found on TV as Hot Girl in the series DC's Legends of Tomorrow, Arrow, and Flash, and has additional TV credits, including Law and Order, Master of None, and The Big Bang Theory. She was most recently seen on Broadway as Elsa in Frozen and can now be heard as one of the leads in the amazing new studio cast album in the light a faustian tale sierra renee welcome to the theater podcast hi thank you so much i think that's the fastest anyone has ever gone through my resume it was very good <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a quick talker sometimes <laughs> and there was still stuff i left out of course so. but it's very efficient very very good thank you, thank you. i'm trying i'm trying to get get straight to the point i read i read once in podcast land that it's like Take it. Take the advice from Wheel of Fortune. Within every episode of Wheel of Fortune, people get to the contact content within uh, the show. Gets like playing the game in under a minute every single episode. Ooh, love that. Think about it, right? They got a like, good formula, yeah. Right, like, uh, like, hey, I'm Pat Sajak. This is Vanna White here, our contestants. Let's spin that wheel. Let's Boom, go. Here we go. <laughs> so here we go, spinning, spinning the Sierra Renee Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> um, so I want to start out actually with. With growing up, or you were born in Harrisburg, PA. Were, mm-hmm. Did you actually grow up there too? Were, were you a I Pennsylvania did. gal? Yeah, I was a Pennsylvania gal. Didn't really leave much until <laughs> I uh, went off to college in Ohio. But yeah, yeah. That's um, that's fun because in Pennsylvania, I I performed at uh, Dutch Apple and a couple other places. Yeah, out there, and it's it's a lovely area. And I don't know um, how Harrisburg is in terms of. Um, uh, the representation of multicultural sort of facets. It, where I was was very Amish yes. and and very uh, very white presenting. And yep. I was reading your mother is from mixed European cultures. Your father mm-hmm. comes from African, Middle Eastern, Native American, European. Like you've got <laughs> so much uh, mixed into your family. I yes. absolutely love it. So for you, was it? What were you sort of an? Uh, I guess physically an outsider growing up? And then how did that relate to um, to the theater and starting to sing and perform? Yeah, I mean, I think... I, I've actually been talking about this quite a bit and sort of dissecting it in my own life, especially after having this long year of nothingness yeah. to really be in my, my thoughts and my feelings. You know, I grew up mostly with my white um, mother and... So, and I was very much like the only person of color or one of two most of the time, especially in like musical theater and music, because it took money and resources and like having a car or a parent who can transport you places to do a lot of the stuff that I did. 
And even though we did not have a lot of money and my mom was often working, like I was just like so adamant about it that I was like, I'm going to figure out how to make this happen. So <laughs> it, I was, I did very much feel um, in between worlds. Um, and there's also, you know, there was a, a big sort of divide between black and white. I went to a school that was, you know, probably 50 50. Um, and then there was like a pocket of like <laughs> me and like a couple other like mixed people that like just didn't really know where they fit. Um, I definitely wasn't cool in high school <laughs> at all. <laughs> definitely awkward. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I think in Harrisburg, there was unfortunately a lot of, and there still is a lot of racism and it felt like there wasn't a lot of mixing that was happening. So for me to have to be born of the mixing was like a confusing place to be. Um, and I think sort of, you know, thinking of like my career and the industry at large, um, I don't know that it like dawned on me that I would come up against as, as much um, pushback racially and also as a woman in this industry as I have. Um, you know, as a young person, I was like, oh, well, like, I'll just be like, you know, Winnie Houston or something like she did it. I can do it. Right. Like I'll just do that. Um, <laughs> the dreams, the dreams. So yeah, I mean, in a nutshell, like, I don't know that I understood as a young person, how hard it was going to be outside of Harrisburg. I thought Harrisburg was like this bubble of like, things aren't great here <laughs> and it would be different in the larger world. And it is, and it isn't, you know? Right. Yeah, that's that's something I think that especially 2021 has or 2020 uh, has sort of ripped the bandaid off of of something that a lot of people didn't want to talk about. That mm -hmm. that it's interesting to me because on on as a as a I say this so many times on the podcast and and it's me trying to sort of uh, understand this better and have real conversations about it. So I apologize mm -hmm. if anybody's heard me talk about this before, but uh, as a white presenting cis man, my experience, I didn't realize how different my experience was to a lot of people that I now consider very close friends and peers mm. um, until the last few years of my life. Mm. And I'm, you know, I'm 40 now. Mm. So to be able to, to, um, I guess, have these conversations and understand what everybody's experience is to the best of, is the best we can, I think is really, really important. So it's, it's, Nice to to hear uh, all these conversations happening now, I think. And um, just like you, though, I thought that I well, I grew up in a small town in North in mm -hmm. North Carolina, and I and I there was close mindedness, and there was racism, yeah, and yeah. there was all sorts of of that. You know, you want to get current. There's anti vaxxers and Trump supporters galore still where I grew up. Yeah, and um. I thought that my experience there would carry would be the same when I came to New York that it would be the same thing and and sort of it's been a little bit of the reverse for me in that I've come here and had more doors open. Yeah. And and I don't think that's ultimately fair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. Absolutely not. It shouldn't be like that. <laughs> but um but it is and and you're right that I think a lot of people are finally being forced to wake up and confront the fact that we live in different worlds in the same society mm -hmm. in the same cities as neighbors. I live in a different world than you. Um, yeah. And I have different things that I have to think about on a daily basis for my survival. You know, um, every, like so many people do people who are darker skin than me have more things to think about than I do. You know what I mean? Like we, we have to always be keeping that in mind. Um, but I, you know, even though you're 40, like, I'm glad that you, at any point you can, you can learn, right? At any point you can grow, at any point you can change, at any point you can expand and, you know what I mean? Like make different choices about your life or like uh, get to the bottom of your biases or prejudices or whatever it is. Like at any point there's, it's never too late. Um, you know, and I think what something that like has been really frustrating for me in my entire life <laughs> is when people are like, yeah, but this is how it's always been. Right. Like that's like the Doesn't excuse. Right. right. It's like, that's the excuse for like, Oh, well we can't do anything about it or we're powerless to, to fix it or, you know, what, what's the point or whatever. And it's like that 
that always comes from the mouths of people who are privileged enough to not experience the thing that I'm saying needs to be fixed. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that that's just never a good excuse at all. So, yeah. Yeah. And I guess thinking about your childhood and whatnot, relating it to theater and where you are now, where, mm-hmm. where did this, need to perform or did you have a need to perform or did it uh, how did this story start of you just saying i'm gonna learn to sing and i want to be on stage because like again comparing it to uh so many other people it was a need to find a home a need to find a tribe and a chosen family because Mm -hmm. where they were going to school or whatnot didn't fit with who they were inside yeah um i mean i've i've never felt like i fit in harrisburg pennsylvania i always wanted to be in a big city i always like wanted to be connected to a lot of people. I felt very closed off where I lived. Um, but like, honestly, we have like, we used to have these tapes of me singing. Like before I could really say a lot of words, I was singing. So like, I've always had sort of a gift, but also just like this passion for music. It's always been like, it's my first love really and truly. Um, so I always thought I was going to be a singer in some capacity. I think for a long time I was thinking of going sort of the Christian pop artist route for, you know, I grew up in conservative, yeah, conservative Pennsylvania, very Christian. Um, And then I was like, honestly, that feels limited. Um, You know, when I got into like middle school, I was like, that feels like limited. Like I want to cross over and do everything. I want to be able to do everything. Um, So I started working with um, a producer in high school uh, a Motown producer, he's written music for like J-Lo and like, you know, like Lilia or something like, you know, like people like that. And obviously Motown and all those things. So, um, but he, uh, he was like, you have to write music. You have to write your own music. And I was like, I don't know what to say. So I had a, I had a, I really struggled with self-worth in high school. Like I said, I wasn't very cool. And I also felt in between and like I didn't belong anywhere. And it was my talent of singing that sort of allowed me to connect to people and also to be like praised for something um, and not made fun of for something. Um, And so, you know, when it, when I kind of came up against the roadblock of like, well, I have to now use my actual voice and who I am to like fill in the rest of this career of being or this dream of being a pop star, I just shut down. And hmm. at the same time, um, all like the, the auditions for the musical were coming up and everybody that I knew in the music hallway was going to do the musical or like audition for it. So I was like, okay, I'll do that. And I loved it because here it was a character. I didn't have to be myself, a person that I didn't like. And I got to tell a story outside of myself and I didn't have to write any of the words. I was like, Bingo! That's for me! (laughs) Um, So, you know, struggling, awkward, bullied, young Sierra thought, okay, this is something I'm good at and people have told me I'm good at. It makes me feel good. I already loved it. And if I can get good at being like a character or telling a story or whatever, like this could be my end to getting out of Harrisburg, to being a star, to whatever. Um, so yeah, so that was sort of my journey into theater. That's so fun. If, if you hadn't, I guess if that musical hadn't happened or if you hadn't gotten to this path, do you think that, uh, what else would you have done? Did you have anything else that, that interests you? No, I really, I really didn't at that time. I mean, music was my entire life and my full obsession. Like I would annoy everyone I was singing constantly. It was a, it was a, it was a, it was a trouble in school because I'd be singing to myself like in class, and they're like, "Sierra, shut up!" And I'm like, "But the song's so good! Like, <laughs> I hear it in my head. Come on!" Like, it, yeah, there was nothing else that I was really passionate about. Um, I think after, like, in college, I also learned that I was really passionate about psychology because of my own experiences with therapy and healing and then like taking some classes in psychology. I was like, Oh, I'm really interested in that. So like now as I've gotten older and expanded and felt more comfortable in myself and that like, I didn't need music as like the one thing that made me worth something. Like, I don't believe that anymore. Thank God. Um, now I'm like, I love psychology and I watch like TED talks about it and I read articles about it and like probably will go back to school for it at some point, you know? So like I have other things now, but as a kid, I was just like, 
it was music or nothing. <laughs> that's that's fascinating because uh, of a similar mindset. I got a psych minor in college. Yeah, I nice. Love, love, love psychology, and and it, it goes into the technical aspect of of dissecting and taking things apart. And I want to know how mm. everything works. Yeah. So when it comes to the human brain, I'm just fascinated. By, I mean, th- there's the science part of it, right? There's the chemicals. Right. There's there's all the electrons flying around, ele- electricity flying around, right? And and then um, there's the the emotional need. And oh, I was reading something the other day that's like we've evolved so quickly into this technologically dependent mm. society that's allowed us to be so isolated and and um, and I guess not follow in the the steps of our ancestors that you know evolutionarily we're we're herd animals. Right. We need to be together. We need right. to you know like uh, you know crudes. If you've ever seen that movie, like yeah, family yeah. sleep pile. We all need to be in a family sleep pile. <laughs> I together want a family sleep pile. That sounds nice. <laughs> I know. I know. Right. I'm like, oh, I just want someone to lay on me and just like. That's right? why I have my dog. <laughs> <laughs> so, but now theater attracts so many people i call us i call us misfits in a in a in the best way possible because okay. it's all of these individual people that don't quite fit with the larger group mm-hmm. uh, of of jocks or cheerleaders or right. w- goths or whatever the, your stereotype is right? right and all of a sudden you can come and be somebody else just for a little bit and mm-hmm. that's acceptable and through that your true self gets to find other people, you get to find your friends and your family and the rehearsal process and going through shows sometimes is so stressful and so strenuous that it brings people together in a way that you can't, you can't experience through other sorts of things, things with sports teams and dance troops. And like when you're going through a shared experience, God, nothing beats that. Yeah. Yeah. Going, yeah. Going, having like a, to, to face a challenge, a collective challenge together of putting up this, this work, this art or whatever. Um, and also like, it's not just a physical challenge. Like it's so much of an emotional, mental and discipline challenge. So like that, of course, is going to like, it brings everything up to the surface and then you're all dealing with each other's crap <laughs> <laughs> collectively, you know, it's, it's collective therapy in a way, you know, it's actually, it's a healing modality that a lot of therapists use, um, you know, acting things out, acting out conversations or, you know, uh, scenarios or whatever. So it's, it's very, very healing. It makes a lot of sense that people who have who struggle and feel on the outside would come to this place, not just for community, but also just for expression and feeling to be, to feel seen, you know? Right. Right. I, I think it is, it's such a, a, an accepting place. I mean, like you said too earlier though, there's a, there's a point where you get here and you realize that it's not the perfect utopia that you thought it was. And a lot of things still need to change. And that's very apparent and stuff as Broadway comes back. Yeah. Side note, I hope this all changes. It's not going to change immediately. So people are going to all of a sudden be up in arms when Broadway reopens that nothing's different, but it will take time. So with that aside, the 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 ability to go see a show and go on a shared emotional journey with an entire group of strangers, and that's normal, while on stage we're seeing a bunch of strangers <laughs> expose themselves in an emotional way, and sometimes physical, depending on the show. Yeah. Um, expose themselves in a way that that we can either see mirrored in ourselves, or we can take inspiration from. Mm-hmm. Or, I, I mean, the the gift that art is, and that musical theater is yeah. is is bar none. You know, it can't be beat. Art art heals. I said this all throughout the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, and it's just so interesting, you know, there was a lot of talk, especially about like, how do we support artists? Because it's like, if you didn't have artists, you wouldn't have the books or the TV shows or the movies or the albums or anything that you used so much during the pandemic to bring you a little bit of joy. You wouldn't have any of that without us. <laughs> it is a part of our humanity to look to these stories. I mean, storytelling is what we've always done and now we've turned it into these incredible big productions and incredible albums and, and movies and books and sagas and series and everything like that. Like, yeah, it's so powerful. And like, you know, and I've worked in so many different mediums now 
And they're all cool. They all have their cool parts. But like nothing speaks to me the same way that theater does. Because like you said, you're in the room, in communion with other people's energies and spirits and emotions. And you just can't help but be moved. I mean, you have to have some real crazy defenses if, you, if you're not moved <laughs> at all by just being in this space with other people, you know? And that's, it's been so lovely to, you know, I've been doing concerts and things now that's sort of been coming back, especially now that it's the summer and we can be outside and do it, sweater, mm-hmm. sweater our butts off <laughs> while we're doing it. But it's so nice to be in the room with people and feel that energy again in a way that you, you can't necessarily on like a Zoom call or you can't, you know, over Skype or whatever, you know. Talking postage stamps. That's what I call this Zoom, <laughs> Zoom concerts. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's what it is I'm like I I need a, I need a different camera ang- camera angle please stop staring something at the camera else, something. Yeah, something. I, need, I need to look because like even in conversation you know you look around but anyway yeah. that's neither here nor there um <laughs> going going to to Pippin I actually I want to bring it back to that for a second mm-hmm. uh, or bring it to that for a second because it's mm-hmm. that is such a, a a unique role the leading player is such a unique role because it's so physical like so physical. Physical. on yeah. your body and your voice. Mm-hmm. So, and then of course, um, coming in and taking over a role that was originated by Patina Miller is just a challenge in and of itself. right? <laughs> sure. And so talk to me about, about entering Pippin because it was such a different production anyway than it would have been done before because it used actual like Cirque type performers and yeah. it was very, very circusy. And, and yeah, I mean, just speak on that a little bit. Like, were you sort of intimidated going into it or you're like, yeah, I got this. This is great. I mean, I definitely, like, I think the physical challenge part of it was intimidating, but also so exciting. Like, I love to be challenged. Um, I mean, I think most people do, but like, cha- like healthy challenge. You don't want to be challenged to where you're like, there's no possible way I could ever make this happen. <laughs> but like, I was like, this is going to be difficult, but I'm definitely going to do it. So I was like working out two times a day in between like having rehearsals and trapeze uh, and magic rehearsals. Cause there's all the magic in the show, which was super cool and fun to learn. And all of the like dance stuff. I do not credit myself as a dancer. I can dance. I am capable of doing it. Um, and I am wowed by it and in awe of people who do it really, really well. I do not put myself in that category <laughs> at all. So I had, I had to really, really, really work. Even for like the auditions, I, w- I was seeking out people who have worked, you know, who are like Fosse aficionados and like was like, I need, train me, please, leading up to the audition. I don't think I would have gotten it if I hadn't done that. Um, wow. Yeah. So it was like, I just was like, I was on every day without stop. Um, I actually was doing at the same time that I was rehearsing or the first, when I opened Pippin, I was also doing the lab of Hamilton. And I think Lynn had, he was like, you're like a shark. You like, can't stop moving. Like if you stop moving, you're dead. And I was like, yeah, kind of right now. (laughs) That's like a really good analogy. I'm like rehearsing this thing all through the day, working out at lunch, working out before the show, doing the show, like, it just had, it had to be that way or else I wasn't going to be strong enough. Like, um, they were like, you can't, we can't put you up on the trapeze until you can do 20 pull-ups. And I don't know yeah. about you. Yeah. Like by yourself, unassisted, if you can't do it, cause I didn't have a harness or anything. Like everyone was like free. Like you had to, it was on based on your own ability to take care of yourself. Like all the Cirque people are incredible and train a bajillion hours every day. Right. Like, and they've been doing it since they were three years old. And I was like, I've never done this. <laughs> and I, like the last time I did a pull up was like in high school for gym class. And it was, I, did, I think I did one or two. Okay. So I have to do 20 now. Okay. Yeah, no, it was, it was, it was definitely really challenging. Um, but uh, like so much fun and, you know, beautiful. It was a beautiful show. I wish I had had more time with it. Yeah, yeah. I I didn't realize that you were doing the the was it, you say the lab or the workshop for Hamilton. That was uh that was the final lab before they went to the public. I think yes. So was there uh and I don't know if you're allowed to say was there um an option to go with it and yes. then you and you chose you I, chose so I I chose no actually um I chose Esmeralda. Hmm. Cause I was, I was Peggy Mariah and I was like, look, I know that this Hamilton's about to pop off and it's going to be cool, but I don't, I didn't want to be Peggy Mariah. <laughs> like if I was Eliza, I would have maybe 
thought about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> or, you know, or, or um, the other one. Mm, I forget her name. Angelica. Um, Angelica but yeah. yeah, so I was like, I could be a lead in The Hunchback of Notre Dame and then also do this TV show where I'm the lead or I can do Hamilton and be the third lead. So like that was the choice for me. And I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to go with the two leads, um, which at the time that was absolutely the right choice for me, you know? Um, so yeah. We're going to take a short break. Stay tuned for more of the episode. I didn't, uh, I didn't realize that, I guess, yeah, so, so the TV, yeah, the TV series were coming at the same time, and was that, um, I guess for that, those, so those were happening in parallel, and was it, was one influencing the other in terms of, like, success on stage was influencing TV, or they both just sort of materialized at the same time? Um, It's really interesting. I actually feel like the Broadway world like your success in the Broadway world doesn't really translate into the TV and film world, but the other way around it does. Right. So if you're very successful in the TV and film world, then of course they're going to put you in a Broadway show, whether you deserve to be in the Broadway show or not. Um, <laughs> that's just the facts, right? Cause Stop they think, casting. yeah, they think that you're a draw. You're going to, you're going to bring in. Um, but like, it's really, it's always interesting. Like when I audition for TV and film, I feel the energy is so different. Like they're like, who's this person? Oh yeah. You had like a credit or two, like cool, whatever. Or like, Oh, you've been on Broadway. Like that's so cool. You can sing. I don't care. Um, but like, <laughs> you know, in the Broadway world, I, I feel like because I've been there so much more, like I sort of know everyone and there's like a level of respect and like appreciation and like just community. And like, you know, they want you to succeed and they want you to be the right fit in TV and film. They're like, we have 10,000 other girls. We don't really care. <laughs> right. Well, that, yeah. that's, what I was, that's what I was thinking was TV and film. I was going to say that it seems like it's much, I put in air quotes, easier to become a TV and film actor actor because you don't have to know how to dance per se or you don't have to know how to sing right and in, in a lot of cases you don't really need to know how to act either this is but, this is true but then it comes down to what you look like so then it's yep. actually not easy unless you're like i'm gonna get plastic surgery and like really make my face look completely different than it looks and eat nothing and look, you know, weigh 10 pounds. I don't know. Like, it's not all like that, but that is like a, a sort of a prerequisite. And I feel like for all the people who are like, I don't want to do that. And I like music. They're like, I'll do musicals either. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel at least. Yeah. that. Well, I, I dabbled in TV and film for a few years too. And it was sort of the same thing as, is that it, it was like, oh yeah, you're, you can, you can hit a mark. Okay, go be background or a couple hundred bucks for the day. And depending on where you live, you can have a pretty shitty living off of that. But you're not going to like, especially in New York, you can't support yourself that way. No, that's So not you've got to go do the other stuff. You yeah. know, the singing and the dancing and the acting classes. Yeah. And, and oh God, this the industry so messed up. Uh, <laughs> I'm, thinking, I'm thinking back to all the crap that, you know, people... <laughs> People have to go through to get even like their foot in the door sometimes. But okay, so Hot Girl, mm -hmm. again, Hot Girl for the CW, the whole yeah. Flash DC Comics universe. And that was another very physical role. So yeah. what, I, I feel like training for that probably helped you for Pippin or vice versa, right? Oh, well, I think, yeah, Pippin definitely sort of set me up to be ready for um, Hot Girl because I was working, I was training, I was really working with a trainer kind of for the first time for Pippin. And so I sort of had like this like baseline of like, oh, this is how you actually like work out safely and healthfully. Um, so then when I, you know, booked um, Legends, I was like, okay, I really want to make sure I look really, really great. And I'm able to do stunts because I'm, I love stunts. I love action films. I love superheroes. Like I want to be able to do all that stuff. And I, I was um, very lucky to be able to do quite a bit of it. A lot of the flying, though, the stuff that was like, this is very dangerous. And if you hurt yourself, we will be screwed. So we're going to put the stunt up, <laughs> you know. And she was incredible and always worked with me and helped me so much. But yeah, I mean, I was, um, I started boxing at, at that time. So my body was just like, 
mm-hmm. together, together, together. She was spelt, okay? It was really, really great. <laughs> oh, I love boxing. Like, full body cardio. It's just, uh, now I'm just really mad at myself for not going back to the gym. No, you can't, you cannot be mad at yourself. Absolutely not. We're not allowed to be mad at ourselves after this year. I don't care what you did this year. You could have sat on your couch and done absolutely nothing. It's okay. You survived a pandemic. You are allowed to do whatever, look, however, okay. It's 2021. We're letting go of this crap of like, we have to, we should have, blah, 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 blah. Which I'm a hypocrite for saying this because I still struggle with this myself. I'm not saying this from a place of like, I'm so enlightened. I'm like actually mad at myself all the time. But I just watched this TikTok recently and I know everyone's like, TikTok, it's for kids. No, there's actually like, a, there's no, an older, it's great. There's an older segment, right? There's for, for us millennial, elder millennials, <laughs> there's, there's a place for us. Um, but this, really great um chick i think it's the sage soul or something like that she was like you cannot hate yourself into a version of yourself that you love oh and i was like oh i was like i was so convicted by that like thank you for saying that because i'm i'm a very critical person of myself like i i, I hold myself to a very high standard and so when i don't meet those standards, especially during a year where there's so much collective trauma and nothing is the same and I've lost so many things, I really was beating myself up. Like, what did I do with myself this year? And I was like, survived. I survived. And and I did other things. I, I taught and like, whatever, you know, like if I really want to sit down and like make a list, like I did good things and so did everybody. Existing was enough. <laughs> you know, staying alive is really okay. <laughs> oh, I agree with that. Josh Lehman is very good about this. He, I, I've, I work with him on his podcast too. And, and he always like sort of begins and, and especially ends everything he talks about. He's like, if you woke up today, you're nailing it. If you mm-hmm. got out of bed today, you're nailing it. Yes. If, you know, just whatever you did, if you get, if you ate breakfast, you're nailing it, you are doing a good job. And it, it's, it's very much, again, like we, we talk about mental health a bunch mm-hmm. and it's, it just comes from a place of just needing, needing encouragement and not feeling al- alone. And ironically, during the pandemic, another epidemic was loneliness. And the irony of loneliness is that so many people were alone. We were all in it together, but the definition of loneliness <laughs> is feeling like you're alone, right? <laughs> right. So it's right. Like we can't get together and, and you know have a have a family sleep pile because we right. would catch COVID and die. But that would that would be bad. That would not be good. <laughs> <laughs> be so yeah. COVID shut down your mm-hmm. open-ended run in Frozen, which I am really upset about it you began i believe it was february 18th 2020 Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and then and then broadway closed its doors march 12th 2020 and as of recording this has still not reopened except for springsteen but we don't count that so (laughs) um you were you were in frozen for less than a month yeah yeah like again I guess in terms of like beating yourself up, this isn't something that you had any sort of control over, but like going from the high, I imagine, of being a Disney princess. You now have Disney princess on your resume. I have Disney queen on my resume, honey. Right, Disney Disney queen. (laughs) (laughs) Disney queen, right? Yeah. To to all of a sudden just like, I don't know when my industry is going to come back. Right. Yeah. I... In less than a month. It, it was a lot to process. It was a lot to process. I mean, this year in general has been a lot. But I'm sort of almost glad that um, Frozen, like if it was going to close, I'm glad that it closed sort of like the month after the pandem- pandemic started. So then it wasn't like me being like, I hope, I wish, I hope, I hope, I don't know what's going to happen. Like when we come back, is it going to be there? I don't know. Like that, that drama, I don't think I would have been able to sustain. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually kind of grateful that it happened when it happened, if it was going to happen, which it probably was. So um, I had sort of time to be depressed and lay on my couch and eat a bunch of chocolate and feel really bad (laughs) (laughs) and not have any real obligation to do anything. You know, I just was like, okay, this is a perfect time for me to be sad AF. (laughs) So, you know, and and I, and I was, I, I was just so, it felt like it was so nice to be back on Broadway. Um, I'd really kind of taken a step back 
from from acting um, after the, the the superhero show and had only kind of popped in to do some off-Broadway stuff or whatever. So it felt really nice to like feel healthy, feel mentally like prepared and like in a good place and like stepping into a show like Frozen. I'm like, I'll always be a Disney head. I love Disney so much. And to be a queen, like mm-hmm. it was, it was all the dreams. Um, and, and, and then it wasn't, and now I have to make new dreams, you know? I, I love that at least for, you know, less than a month, but there was time when, when, uh, little girls that are not your blonde, blue eyed white girls can say, Oh, look, that queen looks like me. I'm going to do that now. Yeah. And it's, it's even been beautiful. Like, you know, I I posted a a version, like I I had actually saying, let it go. Um, for a little girl, like back in 2015, when I was playing Esmeralda, like on my guitar and I had a video of it and I smashed that together with like a bootleg of me doing let it go then, you know, in 2020, it's like so cool. Mm-hmm. Five years later, I'm like doing it for real and posted that on TikTok and it blew up. And just the amount of comments are just like, oh my gosh, my daughters are obsessed with this. They watch it all the time. They're like, she looks like me. She looks like me. And just seeing all the little girls come to the theater and they're, you know, Anna and Elsa costumes and just, you know, look any which way. They just, they looked like anything and everything, you know, it was just so, and they just, it's so funny to me. They, they, they saw no difference really. Mm -hmm. Like they were just like, of course she's, she's, you know, she's doing, she's singing and she's pretty and she's in a beautiful dress. And like, of course she's Elsa. Yes. Duh. I see the powers. It's coming. Like, you know, (laughs) it's always like so funny to me when you hear sort of the rumblings of like, she can't play Elsa. She's not from a Nordic country, which is also not true because actually I have a lot of that in me. (laughs) I was like, but okay. I was like, yeah, no, I don't traditionally look like a Nordic queen or whatever. I was like, but I'm pretty sure children either don't care or think it's really cool because it's sort of different than what they've always seen. It's just like with Olaf, when the, the actors who would come out um, at the stage Ryan door who played Olaf. Yeah. yeah, when Ryan would come out, maybe like, the parents would go, she played Olaf. And they were like, there was no person playing Olaf. Olaf is the snowman, the just the puppet. They like didn't see the person behind Olaf. No kidding. No, they were so confused. They're like, no, I don't think so, mom. There was like, literally, you've heard, I've heard kids be like, there was no person. What are you talking about? Olaf was like, wow. just the puppet. And it's, it's... <laughs> Like clearly there's a person behind it for us, but kids are so, they're just so much in the magic of it and they don't have those, that's, you know, the biases, it's not, it's so trained. It's not something that they've learned yet. So they're like, as long as you wear the costume, I'm down. It's it. (laughs) You know? I love that you said that uh, biases are taught. I've always said, I've always said shame is taught too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, embarrassment. Kids want to run around naked all the time. Absolutely. and And I have two little boys and like <laughs> the amount of times I catch them just like playing with themselves, I'm just like, just mm-hmm. don't do that outside. Yeah, maybe not just, outside. <laughs> just don't do that outside, but um, <laughs> wherever you're comfortable at home, do your thing and yeah. uh, put some underwear on before you go on the porch. <laughs> um, but yeah, I try. I try to encourage, of course, self discovery, self exploration, and because yeah. it's so important in general, right? Mm-hmm. But then when you get uh, uh, these again, these biases that are inherited in not a genetic way. Mm. It's, it's taught from your, from who you're around most. And sometimes that's your small town sometimes, or even big town, depending on where you are. Um, But it's your town, your parents, your other siblings, whatever the case is. And, and so I, I love that you said that because biases, just like they can be taught, they can be untaught. Learn, you can learn to be, all accepting and everything. So anyway, um, how about I've been in a bunch of soapboxes this episode. <laughs> hey, they're important soapboxes, all right? <laughs> so let's talk about uh, in the light of Faustian okay. tale. Yeah, uh, Michael Mott. Uh, I've known this dude forever. Uh, I love love Michael. Um, how did you get involved with this? Well, I guess okay. So let's back up. It's a it's a con a full length concept album for yeah. a show that's never been staged. Yeah, and that's unusual, very mm-hmm. unusual. Mm-hmm. So like, how did you get involved with all of this? And then we're going to get into why it was done. Yeah. Um, so I've also known Michael for a while. I, I 
can't even tell you all the concerts and things that we've done together of his, a lot of his pop music. Um, and so this was sort of different for Michael and I for, to kind of do a more like musical theater thing together. Cause we normally did pop stuff. Um, but it was really fun and interesting. And I think, you know, we had the time, so why not? If we can't put it up on stage, we should just record all the things because everyone has a recording studio in their closet now after this <laughs> year. <laughs> um, so yeah, so it, it was sort of a change in pace um, for me and Michael, but uh, I'm so grateful that I got to be a part of it. So I guess that was my question then. It, well, it sounds like you were just personal friends beforehand and, and yeah, we, I, some, some people he reached out to and asked to be a part, but it, yeah, it sounds like, um, no, we've, really, we've known each other for, for several years. I think just kind of like the, you know, 54 below concerts and things like that. He had reached out to me many years ago and I was like, Oh yeah, I like this song. I'll definitely do it. And then I've done, we've done several things since then. So yeah. That's cool. So the, the fully produced, fully produced album, um, I, I believe, I forget what, platform it was it was a GoFundMe I want to say or how did he raise money for it I actually don't I don't know that part yeah that's a good yeah. question I don't know I, I remember I remember him posting about it a while back mm-hmm. um but I think it was mostly crowdsourced to get it made nice and and so now it's out and it's beautiful mm-hmm. and and you are phenomenal on it and it's debuted uh i think at number eight on the charts in the yeah. theater charts it did. Uh, a couple days ago which is amazing yeah. um and i guess was there a, a plan it sounds like that um you've worked with michael a lot and, and we're in this with him from the beginning but um do you know uh what was the plan what the plan was with this if it if covid had not hit because obviously it's been, he's been working on it for a while. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I can't say for sure, no. But I mean, I think obviously, yeah, if COVID wasn't here, it's a full show. It's ready to like start really putting it up and, and looking at it and seeing what works and restructuring whatever we need to do. But yeah, it needs, it needs to get on its feet. <laughs> it's ready. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I think I would go see it and I would see everybody who is on the album, I think is, it's absolutely phenomenal um i mean just all the the star power yourself included that is on it, it yeah really, I'm, in, I'm in good company jeremy jordan yeah. Saleh pfeiffer it's, it's good stuff yeah antonio cipriano is just yeah. beautiful, beautiful beautiful voice mm-hmm. um but then i would like to wrap up here with three okay. standard closing questions that i ask okay. everybody to finish out the episodes all right the first one very simply is what motivates you I like that question um, because I, I think it changes, um, especially as you get older. I think, what, you know, like sort of what we talked about earlier is what motivated me as a young person was getting out of here from Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> Freedom, right? Expansion, like getting to experience something outside of what I had experienced for the first 18 years of my life. Um, and so then I did that and I was like, okay, what's my motivation now? Um, and I think like, one of my sort of core motivations is um, to be seen and to see others. Cause I just know how important that is to me and like me feeling good and safe in the world is like to feel seen. And I feel like as an artist and doing my art, that is how I, how I am seen, you know? Um, and I want to do that for others by creating safe space for them. You know, like, like you said, being in a dark room with a bunch of strangers, feeling your feelings. (laughs) I love that. I love creating that safe space where people feel like they can do something that they might not normally do on a, you know, an everyday basis, um, of, of really experiencing their feels, um, in a safe way. Um, so that definitely motivates me, but also I would say, I think sort of blazing trails where there haven't been before playing Hawk girl, who's normally a white woman playing Mm -hmm. Elsa, who's normally a white woman playing, you know, just bending people's concepts of what's beautiful, what's acceptable, what makes sense, what, what should be all of those things, um, pushing, pushing limits and boundaries. That's always been a big part of what motivates my work. There's a question in there 
that that I'm trying to formulate that it's something about uh, what makes you feel seen. I know you said being on stage mm-hmm. and performing, but what what is it? And I don't even know if I can answer this myself. Mm-hmm. But when you say I want to be seen, what what would make you go to bed tonight and allow you to say I was seen today? Mm-hmm. That is a that is a really good deep big question um that is, yeah that's really hard because it isn't it isn't just like having people clap for you or validation or whatever like that's not even necessarily being seen I think right. more so it's when I have the conversations at the stage door where people were like you helped your you being vulnerable and showing your authentic experience or self um, especially like in my concert work, cause I get to be me. It's not a character. It's, I'm talking about me and my life. Right. <laughs> and then singing songs and being characters. So like, it's both. But when I talk to somebody and they say like that, listening to your struggle or your story has inspired me or it touched me and made me feel like, Oh, I'm not alone in this. That also I'm like, okay, cool. You saw me and I saw you in that moment. And that's dope. Like that, that feels the best out of anything. Acknowledging weakness and being accepted for it. That's what I think it is. Acknowledging that even though we're supposed to be perfect and post nothing but great pictures on Instagram and TikTok all day long, we're all insecure weenies with imposter syndrome. Yes. Yes, we are. All of us. It's like the weirdest thing when people are like, you're so confident and like, so like, and I'm like, I'm like, and I try to be very honest in my social media. I talk about mental health. I talk about when I'm struggling. I talk about when I'm having crises of confidence. Like I'm, I am not, I've never been the cool girl. I don't know what y'all are talking about. Like, (laughs) yes, I have talent or whatever. That's so cool. But like, I'm much more interested in my humanity and the things that I struggle with and the things that you struggle with in your humanity than anything else. Well, I I see you. I hear that. I hear Yay. that. <laughs> All right. Next question then. What advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now starting out down a similar path? Oh my God. Just don't listen to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> just don't. I, I, I mean, and I mean this in like a find a balanced way to do that, right? There are people who know more than you. Do listen to what they say. Don't necessarily follow what they say. Right. It's important to take in all the information and then you got to like really trust your gut. I think especially as a woman and especially as a person of color, we are very often trained out of trusting our guts in order to make other people feel comfortable. Mm. And that's so dangerous. And when you lose touch with that, it is very hard to tap back into it. So I implore you, especially young people of color and young women, trust your gut when something feels wrong get away from the thing or talk, you know, or like use your voice, you know, and, and just don't allow other people, older people, jaded people to say, well, this is how it's always been, or you're never going to be able to change it or both. Don't listen to any of that crap. Just don't. We need younger people to have hope. We need you guys to balance us out, us jaded folk, okay? <laughs> We've seen too much and experienced too much and are tired, okay? We need you to, to be the opposite of us. So, so don't listen to us if we're trying to, like, shut you down. We're trying to keep you safe, listen to it, and then figure out the best way to sort of alchemize that information. Beautiful. I, I love that. Okay, so last question. This one's super hard. If you can only see one show for the rest of your life, oh my you can see God. as many times as you want, what That's... would you see? Ah! <laughs> uh, oh. That's really tough, like, because I'm I'm a huge Wicked fan, huge In the Heights fan, mm-hmm. huge Rent fan. So I'm, like, mm-hmm. trying to narrow it down between these three. Because they have, they sort of have everything in them, right? Like they have like joy and dance and movement and like epicness, right? And then they also have like tender sadness and anger and like the deep emotions. They all have that. And they have great narratives that I really respond to. 
<laughs> okay, maybe. Okay, here's what I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say probably in the Heights, only because every time I go to listen to like a musical theater album, it is the one album that I can listen to every song but one over and over and over again and not get tired. All right. Yeah. I'll go with that. Yeah. I, I accept. I accept. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what's yours? Now I want to know what yours is. Mine, mine, I think I have to say is Rent. Yeah, right? Because like it, 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 changed, it changed my life in that it, it's what got me interested in theater. See, In the Heights did that for me. Uh, it, Rent got me interested in way more interested in theater because theater, I was like, oh, it's not just Oklahoma and Carousel. Like, you can do right. this, this. That's so cool. But In the Heights was the thing I went and actually saw. It was one of the first musicals I saw um, in New York. And I was like, oh, look, people of color. Oh, mm. oh. Like, all just all people of color. Oh, we can do this. I was, I was like, <laughs> I can do this. Okay, great. Perfect. I love it. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that. I love that. Okay. So, of course, <laughs> listen to to Sierra in the light. A Faustian tale everywhere streaming music is found or visit broadwayrecords.com slash in the light with dashes. I'll be, have the link in the show notes in case I went through that real quickly. Uh, where else can we find you on social media? Uh, I'm essentially, I'm Sierra Renee 8 on just about everything. Tick. Uh, well, that's not true. On TikTok, I'm so fresh and so queen. And then on Twitter, <laughs> it, it was it was for Elsa. Um, mm -hmm. On Twitter and Instagram, I'm Sierra Renee. Facebook, I'm uh, Sierra Renee. Find me all the places, all the time. <laughs> were there were there seven others? Is that why you chose eight? Uh, no, they're just they're Sierra Renee was just taken, and eight's my favorite number. So, oh, wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> Find more information about me at thetheaterpodcast.com. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at theater underscore podcast. Leave a rating and a review now wherever you are listening. This has been edited by Well Rounded Hoodlum Productions. Thank you to Jukebox the Ghost for the intro and outro music, and thank you to Sierra for the wonderful, wonderful conversation. You're a Jukebox fan, aren't you? I'm a Jukebox and Ghost fan for sure. I love that. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. Thank and you. I see hear you. You're nailing it today, Sierra. Oh, you thank you so you. much. Thank you. <laughs> Take a deep breath, make the world a little colorful. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot -E 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 org because only together we rise.